Welcome into the Fog.net podcast, Scott Chasen alongside Michael Swain. Michael, we've been off, we've been on. There's been a ton of news going around, going around surrounding the KU football program, the KU basketball programs. You've got the new number one team in the country, the new number one ranked Kansas Jayhawks, both the coaches and AP Bowl, though not in the ballots of of one voter who actually left them off the top 25 entirely. We might we might touch on that a little bit at the end, but uh, we are here, we are back, and we are here to talk all things KU basketball. The Jayhawks are off for about a week until they'll play next Saturday. You'll be listening to this. Uh, this will come out uh, Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, uh, so you'll have a few days to enjoy it before then. We're going to talk to you today about the KU basketball roster. We're going to go player by player and just kind of give you an overview of of you know, maybe we'll call it a stock report of how each guy has kind of been doing something they're doing well and something they haven't, you know, done well to this point. So, uh, Michael Swain, like I mentioned, at mswain97 on Twitter, joining me for this podcast, and we'll jump right into things. Let's start with Devon Dotson, who's been one of the most interesting Jayhawks to watch this year. Uh, Swain, you actually wrote about Devon Dotson this morning on a story up on fog.net, kansas.247sports. Dot com. What do you think of the way his season is going? What did you see out of him playing hurt against New Mexico State? And, uh, and and where do you think he's at right now? I think I would honestly consider Devon maybe one of the most pleasant surprises of the season so far. I remember talking when we did our kind of preseason podcast, I had said that I thought that maybe the roles between Devon and Quinton would be reversed and maybe Quinton would hit the ground running. Devon would maybe start a little bit slower, but it's actually been the opposite. And I've been really pleased with how Devon has played. And I feel like he's played above that freshman tag i mentioned it in the story that you can find on the website right now but devon played 20 minutes in the second half and he didn't sit down and he played 39 minutes in the entire game that's something that was expected of like Devonte graham last year you know frank mason the year before that it's not necessarily expected of a freshman guard to play that heavy of minutes and considering the fact that he did it on a sprained ankle was really impressive but I love the way that he's been able to initiate offense by driving and dishing and just getting to the rim. And I mentioned again, also in the story, it feels like Devon can kind of get to the rim whenever he really wants to. He's just so nimble and he's able to move his body and shift around players and use his explosiveness to kind of get to the rim. It's sometimes that decision-making around the rim that maybe could use a little bit of work, but I've been really impressed with him. I'd say the only thing maybe I would like to see a little bit more is maybe shoot a little bit more from outside. I think if Kansas is really going to end up struggling, getting a lot of three-point shots, I wouldn't be mad if Devon would take more. Right now, he's shooting at 40%. He's averaging uh, two a game, so I wouldn't be mad if he maybe would take four a game and maybe shoot around the 38% mark. I think that would be something that could be reasonably expectable for him. But I think overall, I've just been kind of impressed with how consistent he's been considering the fact that he is just a freshman. Yeah, I think his consistency has been one thing. He hasn't been perfect. I thought I actually thought in the last game, I, I don't want to say it was bad, but I, I thought it was one of his worst performances. And then Self obviously said after the game he tweaked his ankle. And then I realized he played 39 minutes, and that means 39 minutes of Devon Dotson level defense. I mean, the bigs were pretty atrocious defensively last game, and KU only gave up 60 points. So that probably tells you KU's guards defensively were pretty good. And the point guard who played 39 minutes, I think he would fall right in line with that. And I think the biggest thing that Devon Dotson has done well to this point is he's become a player that self-trusts and self-likes. I mean, Bill Self went on a three-minute rant, like you mentioned in your story, like we wrote about for our website, basically calling out the team's toughness and confidence and competitiveness and all these things. 
And he mentioned one player by name in that rant, and it was Devon Dotson. And how he mentioned him was, was basically to say, yeah, this guy's actually doing good. Like, this guy is doing the things that we want him to do. Uh, so I, I think that bodes very well for him. I, I agree, maybe outside shooting. I actually think, you know, I think he needs to develop that outside shot a little bit more, like get more consistent at it. But I think then you'll you'll start to see him maybe even feel comfortable taking more. The biggest thing for Devon Dotson, and the, like – it's a very weird spot to be in, but this was kind of the conversation I was having with a couple other media members. You don't want Devon Dotson to be your best player as a freshman. If Devon Dotson is your best player as a freshman, your team is not very good. Like, unless you have five Devon Dotsons, you know, at each position, which is not going to happen. So, like, you you don't want him being the takeover guy, and he hasn't been to this point. He's averaging, I think, either 10 or right around 10 points per game, which is great. But there are obviously two scorers on the team who have done, you know, much, 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 much more in terms of scoring. However... You need him to be a steady presence offensively. You need him to be a good passer. You need defensively him to kind of cut the head off the snake. You need him to be that very good all-around player. If Devon Dotson is your third best player in every game, you're going to win a lot of games. You don't need him to be the best player this night, the best player that night, whatnot. So I think when you have guys like Dedrick Lawson, LeGerald Vick, and even a guy like Quentin Grimes, who we've seen erupt once, who we've seen post a double-double, and who I think could maybe get back to that point, I, I think, actually pretty soon. I, I think he could be close to kind of, you know, getting that switch to flip. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing with Devon Dotson is you want him to be good. You don't need him to be great, but consistency, consistency, consistency is the most important thing. And right now I think you could actually make the case he's been KU's second best player. Or I guess you couldn't really make that case because of what Vic has done. But you could definitely make the case he's been his third, the, the team's third best player this year. And I think that's exactly what KU wants out of him. Um, let, let's stay in the backcourt, Swain. Let, let's go to Charlie Moore. What have been your thoughts on Moore so far? I thought that it's been a really kind of up and down start to the season for him. I thought that he really came out with a lot of energy against New Mexico State when he got his first start for KU, but then he kind of fizzled out. He scored five points in his first three minutes, had a steal, and then after that, he really struggled to kind of make an impact in the second half, especially. Um, he got one steal in the second half, if I'm remembering correctly, but I feel like he needs to kind of maybe find his role a little bit more because I he's not shooting as much as I kind of expected him to. If I'm being honest, he is shooting a lot more and he's really not shooting well from outside. But I thought that I would he'd be much more of a sharp shooter from outside, maybe not try to create as much off the balance, maybe more be a, a floor spacer. But that's something that Bill Self has talked about too is that at times Charlie's done a good job of forcing help by getting to the rim. That's how he scored his uh, – his second bucket against New Mexico State was getting to the rim. I think that he really does need to focus on the defensive end, and he has gotten better at that in this first kind of two months of the season. But I do still feel like he is a liability on that end just because of his height, and just he just doesn't have the size to kind of keep up with maybe those bigger guards. And if KU does go back to him in the starting lineup, he was guarding a guy that, I don't know the exact measurements, but looking at it in person, looked like had a foot on him because he was playing the two or three so I think that really defensively is kind of the biggest thing because that's how he's going to continue to get minutes when Doe gets back and they can go back to playing the two bigs and then Charlie's minutes would possibly go down. I think that that's what's going to keep him on the floor is his defensive effort and prowess. Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. I think the biggest thing for him is he needs to take more threes and he needs to be more aggressive looking for his three-point shot. Obviously, it's not falling right now, but that's the thing. If you're a shooter, you can't stop shooting. You, you've got to keep, you know, I think he's one of five from three last game. I mean, we saw him light up one of those exhibition scrimmages for like 30 points and just drill threes like against Devontae Graham and some of those guys. And obviously, much different setting, but 
I think that's what you want from him. He is probably this team's best shooter after Legero Vic, and he's probably this team's best shooter off the bounce. So you need to put him in situations, I guess, where he could succeed doing just that. So I think it's been a disappointing start to the year for Charlie Moore, who I I think had a chance to start. But when I had some conversations with Bill Self in July, uh, you'll notice if you kind of go back and look, I, I changed my tune in terms of thinking that Moore would have a good chance to start and, and really kind of settled in on Devon Dotson because it seemed like he was further along than maybe was expected. And it seemed like Moore, maybe you mentioned defensively, uh, it seemed like he had some ground to catch up on. So um, I actually think more like you, you mentioned this win. I thought New Mexico state, he had good energy defensively still kind of gave up a hand down, man down three uh, still has those lapses, still can gamble at times or just get blown by. But I think he's making an effort on that end. And I think that's a really promising sign because he's never been a plus defender, at least to hear it from other uh, people I've talked to who have watched him closely from his time before Kansas. So I think that's one of the things you can be excited about. Moving to Quentin Grimes, I think his stock is probably at the lowest that it's ever been, you know, in terms of him being a prospect and just that. You know, this is a guy who came in, projected lottery pick. CBS Sports still hasn't projected in the top 10, but he just hasn't been aggressive. I think that's the number one thing. He's just been very passive. He's had opportunities to attack and chosen not to. He turns down open threes and drives into traffic, or then he'll take a, you know, a contested three that won't go in. And I think everything's just kind of been going wrong for him, except for a couple spot games here and there. The first game of the season was absolutely one of them. He was dynamic in that game. But even so, he went six of 10 for three. And if your three-point shot isn't falling, if you go three of 10 or four for 10, you know, all of a sudden that's a drastically different game and KU might lose that contest to Michigan State. So I, I think for Grimes, the biggest thing is just getting back into attack mode. Bill Self kind of called him out, has kind of called him out a few times now. Um, and I think the biggest thing is him just, you know, putting it on himself and saying, I'm going to get to the rim, you know, after he picked up his third foul. And I don't, he may not have returned to the game except for a couple seconds at the end uh, after that point. He walked straight to the bench without even like looking at Bill Self, saying a word to anyone. And that was just the look of a guy whose confidence is shot right now. I think that's very important for KU that uh, that he gets his confidence back. A hundred percent. I that moment really stood out to me too, and that's what I was going to lead with is that is that moment because that really said a lot about where Bill Self and Quinn are at with their relationship right now. It feels like Self is a little bit frustrated that maybe Quinton isn't bringing the same energy. Uh, you know, just whatever that he brought over the summer when Bill Self coached him for the USA team. I think that in general, you saw it against Wofford. Like, he turned it on for a couple minutes against Wofford, and you could really see that that is what he can do, and it just leaves you just wanting more from him. Seeing that against New Mexico, you know, makes a three in the first, you know, five minutes, and you want him to all of a sudden, you know, go in attack mode, you know, try and take over the game early on, get yourself in a flow. And instead, he kept on, you know, working the ball to other teammates. And that's the thing I think that Bill Self wants from him is more of that Josh Jackson, I'm going to go dunk on someone's head. I'm going to go, you know, I'm the baddest man alive type of mentality that he wants out of him. And then he said it after the game. He wants his team to have the, you know, baddest boy on the block mentality. If, you know, a shot doesn't fall, it's because you got fouled or there's, there's something wrong with the ball. I think that that is really the biggest thing for him is kind of just getting that I hate I hate the Mamba mentality so much. I think it's the dumbest thing. But that Mamba mentality of just, hey, I need to be aggressive. I need to go get my shots because he is talented and he can take over games. I mean, you saw it against Michigan State. Like the shots fell and he was able to really contribute. And it just you just want to see it more. And I wonder if maybe this Saturday against Villanova, you know, a top twenty five matchup, maybe that's kind of the time where 
he can kind of bust out of his slump that he's been going through. And I think that the biggest thing, I mean, he's still shooting 38% from three. You know, I think just the biggest thing is just that aggressive mentality and just getting to the rim time after time, get to the free throw line, you know, get some shots down. You see with Diedrich Lawson all the time, he may not have stuff going in the beginning of the game, but he's at least going to get to the line. He's at least going to see the shots fall and at least contribute in that way. And I think that that's maybe the biggest thing. And, you know, kind of the final point, rebounding wise, I, he's got, you know, 2.4 rebounds per game. Devon Dotson has more than him. He's at 3.4 and Quentin Grimes has, I think maybe three, four inches on Devon Dotson and he plays the three and the two. So I think that that's the biggest thing too, that speaks a lot is maybe Quentin getting on the boards and maybe pushing the ball in transition a little bit more. Yeah. You mentioned Diedrich. So let's jump to him and we could be quick on him because his stock is obviously, you know, right up there on, on the top, you know, um, this is a guy who's leading, I believe, still KU in points, rebounds, and assists. No KU player has ever done that under Bill Self. He's had two bad games, and he's still averaging basically 20 and 10, you know, a little bit less than than both of those. But he's obviously been dynamic, obviously been KU's best player to start the year. Not great defensively. I guess that would be the critique. But even so, he's probably the best defensive rebounder Bill Self has ever coached. And in that regard, defensive rebounding is a part of defense because you're not allowing the offense to get extra possessions. And when you look at how bad Yudoka Zabuki has been defensive rebounding, especially last year, um, now obviously some of that's not having the help, but I mean, you're seeing it again this year. Uh, I, I think Diedrich Lawson has been uh, a transcendent force for KU early. I mean, his bad games were you know, a 20.14 rebound, six assists, two block, two steal game against Michigan State in which he drew nine fouls uh, and, and still had more points than shot attempts, which is good. That's more than one point, obviously, per field goal attempt, which is a mark that would be, you know, considered average. So you want to you want to shoot to be above that. And that was a bad shooting game for him. He missed, I think, 12 shots. So that was one bad game. He had another one where he had like 19 points on seven of 11 shooting, didn't play that well. He went scoreless. He had one, you know, disastrous game, foul trouble, a big part of that. And then this one would be classified as a bad game. And he had 20 points and 10 rebounds, scored the last 14 for KU. He's not spectacular. He's not flashy. I've seen people tweet, well, maybe when his impact catches up to his numbers. And I couldn't disagree with that more. I think his impact matches and exceeds at times his numbers because of the way he passes the ball and how he ends possessions. Um, the reason why it doesn't look more dramatic than it is is because he doesn't do these spectacular plays that you remember. Uh, you don't lead a team in points, rebounds, and assists and your impact isn't as good as your numbers. The fact of the matter is, without Diedrich Lawson this year, KU's like a four-win team because you look at all the close games they've been into and then you look at Diedrich Lawson's numbers and see he dropped, you know, 20 and 10. And again, coming into the season, no KU player had ever had a 14.12 rebound game in a KU jersey. I think Diedrich Lawson has done that four or five times this year. But And with 20 and 12, for the record, I think he's done it four or five times this year. So I, I think that just speaks to he's a different animal. KU has not had a player like him since Thomas Robinson, um, and they do it differently because obviously Thomas Robinson was much more powerful, much more aggressive going to the rim, much less of a perimeter-oriented player, just two completely different guys. But if in terms of that kind of you know featured post, even Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid wasn't you know playing enough minutes and obviously enough games because – you know, obviously got off to a slow start to the year. Joel Embiid was a transcendent force and obviously long-term better player than Diedrich Lawson. But in terms of just a one-season college player, Bill Self has never had a statistical monster like Diedrich Lawson, who is Ken Palm's National Player of the Year, by the way, in, in the Ken Palm National Player of the Year standings uh, right now. Diedrich Lawson ranks number one. Really quickly, Swain, anything to add on Diedrich Lawson? Biggest thing that stood out to me so far, besides the three assists that he's basically averaging, so he's basically averaging right now, 2010 and three, which is crazy. I would love to see if anyone's ever 
done that, let alone in Kansas history, just how many have done 2010 and three in college basketball. But the biggest thing that stood out to me has been the offensive rebounding. He's averaging three and a half per game right now. And it feels like every game he's getting, you know, second chance points, at least four, maybe even six a game of that 20 is coming from those, you know, second chance points where he's getting the offensive rebound and just putting it right back up for an easy layup or on occasional kick it back out. And I think that that's probably been the biggest thing that has been a pleasant surprise for me has been just how good he has been on the offensive glass. You know, Doak is really good on the offensive glass too. You know, for Doak, it's like half of his rebounds come from the offensive glass. But I think just in general for Diedrich, for the majority of the year so far, playing at that four spot to get as many offensive rebounds as he has, I think has kind of impressed me. Yeah, Diedrich Lawson's a monster. And again, totally. like I, I expected some of this coming into the season, but I did not expect him to have the statistical impact he did. I asked Bill Self, would you have expected coming into the year him to lead you in points, rebounds, and assists? Or said, how expected was that? You know, was that, were you thinking it might happen? It was definitely, and he said, no, we expected that. Like that was what was expected of Diedrich Lawson. Keep in mind, no Kansas player ever has done that and no Bill Self player ever has done that. And Diedrich Lawson is doing it at least thus far. Though it might change because this next man is out, Yudoka Azubuki. And with Yudoka Azubuki out, Diedrich Lawson's being asked to play more center. I think you've seen some good things from Doke. He's clearly KU's offensive scoring focal point uh, when he's in the game. Obviously dealing with that right ankle knock. They are hoping to get him back around Christmas time, but there's really no official timetable to this point. I've been impressed at times with Doke. Other times I've been underwhelmed. Fouling issues are still a problem. He's not better at defensive rebounding this year than he was last year. Uh, and Bill Self has been critical of that and called him out for that. So this is no new information. Uh, and he still needs to kind of get better at dealing with double teams and, and uh, making the simple play instead of sometimes forcing things. For the most part, I actually think it hasn't been a very noteworthy season from Yudoka Asabuki. No, and I, uh, the biggest thing I'll say about Doke is it feels like, and I, I mentioned it to Matt Galloway, the Topeka Capital Journal, after they played, um, I think it was against Washburn, the first exhibition of the year. My first reaction to that game, Doke really struggled with those double teams, was what has Doke improved upon in the offseason to make, you know, to make you believe that he can be a dominant player that, you know, can have a really high usage and really high efficiency and, you know, maybe not play, you know, 30 minutes like Devon Dotson or Diedrich or LeGerald are, but I think just the biggest thing for me is I just, I'm, I'm left wanting more from him so far this year. He's still struggled with foul trouble. He's averaging three a game right now. Um, it feels like every game that he had played in that, that he would have moments where at least he'd sit out a little period where he'd have to sit out with foul trouble. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing. I've just been left wanting more from him early on in the season. And we'll have to see when they have to reintegrate him back into the lineup when he heals from this ankle injury, I'm going to be really, really interested to see how he comes back from this injury and how they reintegrate him back in. For sure. I, I definitely think it'll be because if the team goes on a run, if they get it figured out like they did against Wofford, now all of a sudden you you start you know asking the question, is this team a better four-guard team than it is a two-big team? Uh, on the topic of the Doke, let's stay on the bigs. I want to talk about David McCormick first. Uh, the thing with David McCormick, because when Doak went down, everyone's first reaction, I, sh I shouldn't say everyone, some people's on, on like social media, their first reaction was to say that, oh, now David McCormick is going to have an opportunity to play. And I always thought that was kind of, uh, I don't want to say dumb, that's, that's that's kind of mean to say. But um, as a bookie was averaging 22 minutes per game and Diedrich Lawson was averaging right around 30. So if you add those two numbers together, you get 52 minutes per game. That leaves 28 minutes per game remaining, and I don't know what Mitch Lightfoot is averaging per game minutes-wise, but it's nowhere close to 28 minutes per game. It's probably closer to five. So 
the fact of the matter is there have always been 25, 28 minutes for Deidre, for David McCormick, for Mitch Lightfoot to play. The fact of the matter is they're not good enough to play right now or certainly not better than KU has been in four guard looks. So uh, when that opinion or, or that take came out, Yudoka is down, now KU can develop David McCormick. My reaction was, I don't assume that David McCormick is playing any more minutes now. And, and you saw that in the first game against New Mexico State, a team that had post players. Yeah, certainly David McCormick's not going to be the matchup for Villanova. You know, we all saw what Villanova did last year. So that's not going to be a big one for minutes for him. But, I mean, New Mexico State came at KU and attacked KU inside. Mitch Lightfoot and Deidre Lawson both had problems. And I think David McCormick played four minutes. And Self even said after the game, you know, he didn't really get a chance, you know, to play. And, and again, that's because he's always had a chance this year. There are minutes to go around if Silvio De Sosa is not playing. There are four bigs, there are 80 minutes, and currently they're only using about 52 of them with their starters. So there have always been 28 minutes just sitting there for anyone to take. And so in that regard, I think David McCormick is going to be a very, very, very good player. I think in year two and year three, he'll be a very, very, very good player. And if, obviously, if he sticks around for year four, but I wouldn't bet on, I, I wouldn't be counting on anything from him this year in terms of he might have a good game or two or even a good week or two where he maybe even wins you a game or so. But I, the best configurations at the end of this year for this team are going to be with Diedrich Lawson in the game alone with Yudoka Azubuki in the game alone, or with Diedrich Lawson and Yudoka Azubuki in the game together, and that's assuming Silvio de Sosa does not come back. Those are going to be your three configurations for March in which you're going to have the most success uh, in terms of big men. So again, just kind of my general thoughts on David McCormick. He will be very good, but he's too sped up right now. He doesn't do enough in, in areas outside of really energy and motor. He's a decent rebounder, but again, he's getting a lot of that because of his energy, and when you go up against comparable competition in Big 12 play, some of those easy rebounds where he's just more athletic and bigger than other guys, those are going to go away really quickly. So I think David McCormick will be very good, but I don't think he's I don't think he's at the point now where you want him contributing for 15 minutes a game. Yep, I definitely agree with that assessment. I would say that I thought it was interesting that it was brought up to David McCormick that Silvio had kind of gone through the same thing in his first months here, and David said that he didn't know that Silvio had gone through kind of the same struggles of not being able to stay on the court for more than minutes or at a time. And I think that you could almost see maybe the same sort of trajectory that Silvio had with David. It's not going to be the same because Silvio just exponentially got so much better in the Big 12 tournament. But I think by the time that we get into February, you know, middle of February, I would not be surprised if David McCormack ends up having maybe a Czech Diallo-esque role where he comes in as maybe that first big off the bench, maybe instead of Mitch Lightfoot, and he's able to bring some energy, rim run a little bit. If you were to maybe go small around him, you know, I'm not sure what the configuration would be. But I feel like maybe towards the end of the season, I like that what you said. There are going to be a couple games I feel like this season where you're going to look back and be like, yeah, David McCormack, he was one of the three players that helped KU win that game. And I think that there's no question of year two and year three, how good he's going to be. I think that it's just a question of this season is how much he's going to develop. And if he does kind of hit a growth spurt at some point in this season, when that is and what kind of how he fits in with Doak being back. And if they, you know, can figure out how to go high, low with David in the game with Diedrich at the four, or you know, there are a lot of ways that they can do it. But I do think that this season, there are going to be some games where he can make a contribution. I just don't think it's going to be a non-conference play. It's just, too early and he's way too sped up and I feel like with the energy that he does bring you know college basketball is a lot faster than high school it's a lot more physical than high school it almost feels like he's trying to match that with his own energy and by that he's taking himself over the top 
So I just feel like he's got to get within himself and, you know, and it'll come. That's the biggest thing is it's going to come sometime, maybe not non-conference, maybe not even January, February, but it'll come at some point. Yeah, and, and again, if he if he wins you a couple games or helps you win a couple games, then he's done his job because you have two bigs who are, you know, obviously way more, you know, extremely, just extremely accomplished college players uh, in, in general. So Mitch Lightfoot, obviously the other big, he might have been Self's first sub off the bench in like every game this year. I stopped checking that after a while, but he certainly wasn't like the first five or so. But uh, I, I think he's been fine. Honestly, I thought he was good last game, but not great defensively. You know, he's still not really comfortable guarding centers. I've always felt he's been a little bit of an overrated rim protector because he goes at blocks, and Doak does this too. They Actually, Doak, this was the play Doak got injured on was doing this, but he goes after blocks that he has no chance of getting, and that leaves KU exposed at the rim for an offensive rebound or if the guy passes instead of shooting, you know. Uh, he abandons kind of that role on the inside going for blocks sometimes. So in that regard, I think his rim protection can actually hurt KU at times. But that being said, Mitch Lightfoot is a guy who three, four, five times a year, you need him to win a game. I think New Mexico State was absolutely one of those games. He took two charges, good energy down the stretch. Um, and and Diedrich Lawson actually called him the player of the game. So uh, I think you, uh, Diedrich Lawson said it best. You need a Mitch Lightfoot on your team. I just think he's a little bit limited. I actually didn't mind his three-point attempt yesterday. Uh, but that being said, uh, he or not yesterday, I guess it would have been last Saturday, whenever it was. He had an open three late in the second half. But that being said, he's not, you know, much of an interior scorer to this point. Not much of a perimeter scorer either. So really just a guy who brings good energy and, and then a couple times a year will help flip a game. Sure. I would actually disagree. I did not like that shot, the three point shot from him. If I remember correctly, I could have sworn it was like on the left wing, it was a like a little step back. I just I don't want Mitch Lightfoot shooting threes unless it's in like a pick and pop or uh, he's just sitting in the corner and can just do a really simple catch and shoot. I don't want him shooting any sort of three off the dribble. But I think that the biggest thing with him is just making sure that he stays within that role because you mentioned it. There was one time at the end of the first half, I believe, where one of the New Mexico State guys went in for a layup and it got deflected and Mitch just jumped up and absolutely came nowhere near the ball and tried to block it. And New Mexico State player got it and scored right there. I think that that's kind of the biggest thing. You know, he's good for taking at least one charge, maybe even two a game. Um, you mentioned it in your story. He got kind of a reputation call uh, on his second charge there. His feet were moving a pretty a, a lot, and it probably should have been a block. But, you know, I think that he's he's really good at staying within that role. But that's a thing. He's just got to make sure that he doesn't try and step out of it and think that he's a player that he necessarily isn't right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And and to be clear, I don't want him taking more than like one three a game. But I do think like it, just in terms of offense, he had a post up that resulted in like a turnaround jumper yeah. from the mid range that went in. Like I thought that was a I, I you I don't think you can live with that. Like that's a bad shot. Like even if it goes in, I think you don't want him taking that mid range. You want him dunking at the rim in transition, or you want him, you know, popping out. Like you said, pick and pop is is probably okay for Mitch, but not much more. Marcus Garrett, I think his stock is very high, certainly in the in the eyes of Bill Self defensively, I think he's been one of KU's best player. I think he's one of KU's smartest players. I think he's the most important player of the game going into Villanova. He has to be. Him and Diedrich Lawson. Diedrich Lawson has to cause a smaller Villanova team some fits, and Marcus Garrett has to be able to stay on the court and help KU defend, you know, with four guards. I think those are the, right there, are the one and two most important players for KU uh, against Villanova, even if they aren't the best players. Like, Devon Dotson could have a better game than Marcus Garrett. Quentin Grimes could score 30 points, whatever. Gerald Vick could go off, but I think those two guys in particular need to have very good games for KU to beat Villanova. Yep, I would agree with that. I think that the biggest takeaway I had from Marcus Garrett's game against New Mexico State 
was that KU would switch one through four a lot. And I thought that it was interesting now going forward, you know, if Marcus is in there with Devon, you've got two wing defenders that are really good. But if you're going to keep switching one through four with Marcus at the four and Devon at the one, teams are just going to switch off Marcus until they can get a Charlie Moore, you know, one of the lesser defenders on the team uh, on their guy. And I think that that's going to be interesting to watch going forward is how Marcus Garrett is able to lock down guys while still switching one through four. Because I thought that he did a really good job against Wofford of, of defending the post. He butt-fronted the same thing, you know, Svi Mikhailuk did against Marvin Bagley in the final, or the Elite Eight last year. I've been really impressed with him defensively. I just kind of am interested to see how he continues to affect the defensive end if teams kind of switch away and don't necessarily go towards him with the ball. Yeah, one thing working for him is college coaches love to run action, and I think you saw, uh, I mean, go back to the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors, lose the finals they lost. Obviously the better team, but the Cavs' entire offense was pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, get Steph Curry on Kyrie Irving, and then let Kyrie Irving score on him. Like, I, that, I mean, that was basically their offense was run a pick and roll until you get a matchup you like and then take advantage. And that's a very NBA thing. And I do agree that teams could probably do that to Kansas, but rim protection then becomes extremely paramount. Um, let's get to the final two players here, and then we'll do a quick note on rankings and get uh, get out of here. KJ Lawson hasn't played as much as I thought he might. Three-point shot hasn't really come along, but he, already you've seen him be important in some games, especially when Marcus Garrett was out. I think he's a guy you're going to be really glad is on the end of your bench come Big 12 play, especially if Doak takes a little bit to get going. Uh, that being said, I think he's had a relatively low impact uh, thus far, really outside of that. Uh, I can't remember if it was the—I think it was the Tennessee game uh, outside of really that one game. Yeah, the Tennessee game was definitely his best game. And it's kind of been interesting. I've just in the back of my head kind of been keeping track. And I can't remember the percentage of K.J. Lawson's minutes. I would say 75% of his minutes this season have come in the first half. And I don't feel like, because against, if I remember correctly, against uh, New Mexico State, K.J. only played. Yeah, he didn't even play in the second half against New Mexico State. And I feel like the biggest thing for him is, you know, as the season goes on, if, you know, as you said, if Doak is in foul trouble, if Diedrich's in foul trouble, he's going to be a guy that you're going to be really happy with coming off the end of the bench because he does bring that experience. He's long. He is athletic. He, you know, he can plug and play basically, you know, he can play him at the three, four, you know, he's versatile, can switch, do a lot of things. And there's a lineup out there where KU could have, you know, Devon Dotson at the one, you could have Mark Scare at the, the two, KJ at the three, Diedrich at the four, and Doak at the five. And that is a pretty darn good defensive lineup. So I feel like he could be more of a, a plug-and-play defensive 3-and-D type of player as the season kind of goes along. Maybe not as much of an, a focal point within the second unit. Yeah, best defensive lineup K will have this year, in my opinion, uh, counting rebounding because you need someone to end possessions, would have to be Devon Dotson, Quentin Grimes, LeGerald Vick, Marcus Garrett, and then probably Diedrich, maybe Silvio. But for the most part, I agree with you. Like, I mean, the you know, you put in KJ, you put in Doak. I mean, that's got size. That can go against anyone, especially if you put KJ at the three. And I, you, you know, you said seventy-five minutes percent of his minutes maybe in the first half. I would venture to say ninety-five percent of his minutes have come at the four and not the three. I think his spot on this team is is very, very well uh, defined at this point. All right, the final player, LeGerald Vick, had some good games, had some bad games. Man, his good games have been good, and man, his bad games have been bad. I actually thought he was really poor against New Mexico State, self-praised him for some of the things he did, had good assists and rebounding totals. 
But the fact of the matter is, when his shot isn't falling, he doesn't energize the other players on the court. And I think you see that when KU has to grind out a game 63-60. to 60. When his shot is falling, he gets everyone fired up. KU becomes a completely different team. But when he's not making shots, it's, you know, what are you doing in other areas? And I, I mean beyond, you know, just assists and rebounds because those are helpful. But what are you doing to pump everyone else up to make the game fun for everyone and, and do those things that self-complained about after the last game? And I don't think he does any of those things if he's not making shots. No, when he's making shots... This year, he's already won KU multiple games. So I certainly can't complain about him from that perspective. I also wonder if part of Quentin Grimes' struggles, some players just don't fit well on the court together. And if you go back and look, the games Vic has played the most, uh, he needs the ball kind of in ways that Grimes does. He can facilitate kind of in ways Grimes does. He shoots in ways that Grimes does. So if you look at the games that Grimes has really struggled, a lot of those LeGerald Vic has played heavy minutes in. Now, there are, there, it's not 100%. There are games that are outliers to that. But the first game of the year was an example. LeGerald Vic struggled mightily, and Grimes was able to get going. Then Grimes starts to struggle, and Vic has back-to-back 30-point games. And I think it—I'm not saying it's directly because the two of them struggle to play together. I'm not saying that by any mean. But I am saying they do have a lot of overlap in their offensive games, at least. And I can see that being tricky for two of those guys to play together when you also have Diedrich Lawson, who needs the ball, Yudoka Zabuki, who needs the ball, and Devon Dotson, who needs the ball. Yep, I think the biggest thing for me, I, I really like what you said there about LeGerald and Quentin and kind of how they do have a kind of a similar play style. The biggest thing for me with LeGerald is just the defensive end because there is a there is no reason why LeGerald Vic should not be the best defender on this team. He's arguably, you know, more fast twitchy and more athletic than Marcus is. He's maybe a little bit longer, maybe not as big or as, you know, as physical as Marcus Garrett is. But there's no reason why LeGerald shouldn't be a top two, top three defender on this team. It's all about for me, it feels like it's all about effort on that end and how engaged he is. And you've seen it when he's shooting the ball really well, he stays engaged on that end. And that's the thing is that we've talked about it, you know, all season is if that shot's not falling, he's got to be able to help you in other ways, because if not, he's just going to end up being just standing there in the corner. He doesn't do much. And then you'd much rather have a someone else, just someone else in the game that can maybe help you in other ways. Maybe that is KJ Lawson. You know, maybe it's Marcus Garrett, Quentin, one of those other guys. I think that just the biggest thing going forward is, if he is going to continue to be hot and cold shooting-wise, there's something that he's got to consistently bring game to game that can get him minutes because he just can't be out there and only be a scorer because he's just shoots too hot and cold to only be a scorer. He's got to be able to bring something else, whether that is assists. He got five against New Mexico State. I liked that aspect of the way he played against them, but I think that there's something that he's just got to be able to bring from game to game that's going to keep this team afloat. For sure. All right, one final thought on the rankings. KU back to number one. A lot of people have said the Jacks don't deserve to be number one or they haven't looked like it. Yeah, I'd kind of agree. They've played a lot of close games. But also, they beat Michigan State with LeGerald Vick contributing just about nothing. They beat Tennessee on a game that Marcus Garrett was out with a concussion. Went over Marquette as well, and they've grinded out some tough results against some actually pretty good teams. So my thoughts on the rankings were that KU absolutely deserves to be number one. Have they looked like a pure number one team? Probably not, but we all know KU is very good. We all know Bill Self's a very good coach, and KU's won games without Yudoka. KU's won games without Marcus, and KU's won games where Diedrich Lawson and LeGerald Vick did not contribute. Obviously, I think that speaks to their depth. One voter, Graham Couch in Michigan, left KU, left, I think, Duke, and left a number of teams off his top 25 because they haven't played a road game, which is something he does last year, and and I think it's Gary Parrish who does the poll attacks, basically ripped him for it and basically saying, oh, so because this team played at Tulane, they're better than Kansas, who has neutral court wins over Tennessee, Michigan State. I don't pay too much attention to that stuff. It always amuses me when it happens. Um, Rankings are really stupid this early in the year, but 
Uh, all of that is to say, I do believe Kansas is a deserving team is number one in the country, even if I don't think they've played like it necessarily at this point. Any any quick thoughts on the polls? This is exhibit A of why polls are stupid, because you have people <laughs> like this that do not take it seriously. And I, I mean that honestly, like to go out there and say that Duke and Kansas are not in the top 25 in the country is just... I can't believe it. I think it's dumb, honestly. Like, you've got guys, for example, on the KU beat, you know, Jesse Newell got ripped for having Duke ahead of Gonzaga after Gonzaga had beaten Duke. And, like, Jesse came out and was able to back it up and say, this is why I believe this. And it makes sense, you know. Duke Use is still... the Ken Palm rankings. Duke would be favored on a neutral exactly. court. A lot, of, a lot of factors like that, yes. Exactly. And it, for me, it's just frustrating to see something like this. And everyone has their own vote, and everyone can see basketball in their own way. It's just that sometimes when you're so just so off base and so just out of right field, it just sometimes I just roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's. I, I think some people like their own AP vote a little too much. And what a mm-hmm. coach has to do this to get my vote. And it's like, that's really – the point is – who are the best 25 teams in the country, not who fits your criteria for what a top 25 team should be. So, you know, whether you want to say who is the, you know, who are the 25 most accomplished teams, who are the 25 best, whatever, you know, you can do it that way. But to set artificial criteria is always funny. And and I mean, this is a guy who is now two years in a row. It's become a, a major storyline because he did this last year too, um, to some extent at least. So uh, anyway, there's our talk on the KU basketball team and on the polls. Make sure to follow Michael Swin on Twitter at mswain97. I am on Twitter at Chase and Scott. Visit kansas.247sports.com for all your KU content. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.